Hi, Eric Bailey alongside Eli Letterman for game week number two, Kent State, uh, talking everything Oklahoma football. We really appreciate you tuning into this podcast. Just a reminder that you can see download for free on Apple, Google, and Spotify. All our podcasts for all season long will be here every week. Eli, it's great to finally get a game under our belt as media members, and I know it probably feels a lot better for the football team and for the fans as well. Well, because we just talked and talked and talked, and we talked about this last week, but we we talked and talked about the Brent Venables era, and we did that from, like, December up until last week, just talked about it without a game. And so finally we got a game, and it was um, – I, I can certainly say the significance was there. Yeah, this was just a week one against UTEP and a 32-point win. OU has had a lot of those. They'll have a lot more. But the significance of the day and, and Brent Venables making his debut, getting his first win, everything that came with the occasion. I mean, 83,000 people in there. When they announced his name before the game, I mean, the, the eruption from the crowd, it, it had all the feeling, I think, that we would have expected, even though it was just, as I said, you know, against a, a group of five opponent, you know, one of your standard non-conference games. This, this, this one felt different, and uh, it felt that way kind of from start to finish. Oklahoma wins 45-13, and what impressed me the most was the start. When you look at them, like you said, the buildup for the season, it was 21-0 before you, you really got settled in your seats. And uh, it, it was amazing just seeing how quickly this offense was able to work uh, under Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy's offensive coordinator, defense with some stops early. And I think you couldn't ask for a better start, not only for the game, but for the season, just as you mentioned, with the expectations. I wanted to ask you just a couple of things real quick about that, but going back to that first game, just who impressed you the most? What players really impressed you the most with the way they played? Well, it's a really easy place to start, but it's Dylan Gabriel, and it's because of this. You, you mentioned that start and how this offense operated. feels like we haven't stopped talking about the tempo offense really since, you know, midday Saturday because we got our first look at this, this offense we'd heard about where they're snapping the ball as fast as they can. It's got to be the offensive linemen who have to move the fastest of anybody on the field because they need to be in position for this thing to run. And in the middle of all that, and even Eric Gray admitted for all the practicing, it felt even faster in a game, you know, game-like environment. Dylan Gabriel was kind of that calm in the middle of the storm because you had him, you know, while, while everyone else was settling into their first game with Jeff Levy, he was settling back into that, into their relationship. And he talked about, you know, their, being back at UC, being back with this coordinator from UCF, being on the phone with him on the sidelines, all that. And he was really the orchestrator of the offense. So an easy place to start with the with the quarterback, but in a week where we've talked about how this offense is so different and how the tempo is going to impact the defense and all that, how it's going to impact everybody. Dylan Gabriel was the the the, the guy in the middle of it all and, and had it running smoothly, especially at the start. Let's stick with the offense. I want to talk about Marcus Major a little bit. For you know, first you mentioned Eric Gray. Uh, First 100-yard rushing game for Gray as, as since he's been at Oklahoma. He ran for 102 yards. But Marcus Major, a uh, guy who had some academic issues last year, didn't get to play, really uh, just – we really hadn't get a chance to talk to him. And uh, earlier this week, we had a chance for the first time to, to talk to him. And what impressed me was uh, not only his play on the field – Seven rushes for 54 yards, average 7.7 yards to carry. But just the way he handled uh, his issues off the field, he said he had to mature. Uh, that was it. It was a maturity. That's all it was. And he had to quit making uh, kid mistakes. He had to be an adult. He understands that there's consequences for your actions. And that's what impressed me the most uh, in getting to talk to him. And I think we'll get to see him a lot more as the season progresses. He had two touchdowns against UTEP. 
uh, he, he talked about how, you know, these last eight, these last couple of months have really been challenging to him, but he's been challenged by DeMarco Murray, the running backs coach. I think, I think that's big, big, big for him as well. And, uh, Coach Levy said that out of everybody in the last eight weeks, Marcus Major going into week one had the best eight weeks. And I think we're seeing some growth in him both on and off the field, which is really good. When you can get that run game going, I think that's huge. And it was good to talk to Marcus Major and hear his words. Yeah, I mean, from an on-field like depth standpoint, the Sooners really need Marcus Major, maybe more than they ever have. I'm sure they could have used him the last few years, but they need him to, to live up to his potential this year more than any. And it almost seems like that challenge is something he's embraced. And and he talked about DeMarco Murray uh, in that running backs room, challenging to have a pro mindset, be like a pro. He talked about Jeff Levy and how he was, I, you know, I think he alluded a bit to the fact that he wasn't even sure he'd come back this year, but that once Je Jeff Levy arrived, he knew they'd run the ball and that Jeff Levy depends on him now and he doesn't want to disappoint him. That's what he said. And so I think he's really embraced the challenge um, from the sound of it. It was, it was really good to, to see what he did on Saturday and then to hear from him afterward. And, and, and hear that maturity in, in the way he spoke. Putting a bow tie on the offense, uh, we'll look at the offensive line. Uh, you know, Wanya Morris was not available. Uh, we had a chance to talk to uh, Brent Venables, and he kind of reiterated what he said on Saturday, where Wanya is working through some off-field issues. Uh, he's still, you know, he's still practicing. Everything's going on, but he just needs to work through some off-field stuff. Tyler Guyton, the TCU transfer, got his first start, and uh, saw that offensive line, you know, pass protect. We saw them run. I think Coaches are never going to be satisfied with where they're at, but I think that was huge just seeing where they were at. So I think for the offense, they, you know, to be able to do what they did, to be really balanced, they uh, threw for, uh, let's see, they threw for 233, they ran for 219, just the balance was there. So I thought it was good. Defensively, uh, th this was what everyone wanted to see. What was Oklahoma's defense going to look like? And uh, one name stood out among others was Reggie Grimes with what he was able to do, especially in the first half of that football game. Reggie Grimes was everywhere, and and he had uh, on the sidelines, he had Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates dancing, celebrating everything. We talked, we joked, you know, Brent Venables was the one you worried would need to get that coach. I think it, the next candidate might be Miguel Chavis because there's nobody who was more excited to see Reggie Grimes doing what he was doing than, than him. But it was quite an, an introduction, and as you wrote about and spoke with with Reggie, he, he was kind of playing with a little bit more on, on Saturday. Yeah, you know, his grandmother uh, was in attendance, and uh, she's been diagnosed with cancer for the second time. She beat it once. She's battling it again now, and she kind of paused her treatment so she could be in attendance for that first game, and uh, it was just a special moment, uh, you know, for her to see her son play in such, or grandson, excuse me, in such a big atmosphere and have the, the best game of his career. That was huge, and I thought that was really neat to see Reggie be able to embrace his grandmother after the game and, and understand that she's going through a bigger battle than what he's doing on the football field. And, you know, but Reggie, for him, he, he came into the season with only three career sacks. He had two and a half against UTEP. I think that's important, you know, not only for him, but for this defense. If they can have that edge rusher that can provide pressure on that, that's huge. Uh, six sacks overall for the Sooners. And uh, last year they had seven sacks in one game and Six would have been the second highest total last year. They've already matched that this year. And, you know, you look at Brent Venables, the defense over the years, what he did at Clemson over the past decade, he easily, his defense has easily had more sacks by, than anyone else in the country. So maybe that's, and that could be a common theme going forward. Um, I want to ask you too, uh, just your thoughts on the defense overall. How do you think they played as a unit uh, against UTEP? And, and did you see some of the things 
that they described during fall camp come to fruition on the field? Yeah, I, thought, I mean, it was a clean game. And Brent Venable spoke about that it was clean football. But, um, you know, they had some pre-snap penalties on the offense, on the defense. I think it was Reggie who picked up a, the early roughing the passer call that I, I think some of us shook our heads at. And there were two pass interferences. But on the whole, I think, I think what they were really able to flex was their depth. It was a hot day. I think everybody in the crowd and then the crowd that thinned knew that. Uh, and it was hot on the field. So they, you know, Ted Roof spoke about uh, them rotating in on the interior of, of the line and, and using that depth. They flexed the depth kind of everywhere else, too, uh, at, at linebacker in the secondary. I mean, game ends with Gentry Williams, um, the freshman from Tulsa, from Booker T with a pick. That, that, that right there highlights that. So I think they were in this one, they were able to show their depth. I'm, I'm pretty curious this week, Kent State. Probably a tougher opponent, certainly a, a different offense with, with kind of a mobile quarterback and, and all that adds uh, to a game plan. I want to see what they do this week because I think last week was was as much about just showing that this is what we're going to look like. We've got this depth. This week they might actually get a, a little bit of a test and we'll see how they, they hold up against it. Kent State, of course, uh, kind of you look at a mirror image of Oklahoma's offense. They're going to want to snap the ball and run fast and go up-tempo. So it can be one of those games where you're trying to – Keep an eye on things. It'll be a test to that defense. And you mentioned the, the depth. Uh, Brent Venable said they went three deep. Everyone on the three deep got to play against UTEP, which is big. And something interesting Brent said, too, during his, his press conference was that he doesn't mind having those third teamers in late in games. He's not worried about shutouts. He's not worried about, you know, giving up yards. Uh, he's worried about getting this team uh, together and building debt because you never know what's going to happen in the future. Injuries, transfer portal. He wants guys up and down that depth chart to be able to play and guys you can depend on to go right in and do the work. So I just thought it was interesting because some, some people will be upset if they give up a late touchdown, you know, maybe not get a, a shutout or hold the team under 10 points. Brent Venables doesn't want to do that, especially early. He wants players to play. You mentioned Gentry Williams, man. Uh, Jay Belay was the first person to met, meet Gentry after the interception, the Booker T. Washington can, uh, product. And uh, it, it was it was really neat to see him in his first game get an interception. Uh, before we go to Kent State, I want to ask you, you were around Zach Schmidt yesterday yeah. during the interview processes, the interview process, and uh, new kicker for the Sooners. Uh, what, did, what did Zach have to say? I mean, he's probably like the only the most important Sooner that no one's talking about for all the, you know, the – we know how the outsized role that a kicker can have in, in a game or on a team, and he certainly knows that. And um, You know, it was interesting getting to talk with him. He's an Oklahoma City guy from Bishop McGinnis, and, um, you know, he, he spoke about the atmosphere and he had family in the stands. But really, he, he said he was so excited for that first kick. Um, he wanted to get those jitters out and just get it done, and he had it. And he just said the feeling after that, the relief was great. And most interesting probably was him talking about his relationship with Gabe Burkich. I mean, he sat behind him for a couple of years uh, and he said that the confidence that he saw in Gabe Burkich is what he's trying to emulate now coming into all this and into this season. Um, confident first and foremost, he, he picked up a lot from him and uh, it was a pretty, you know, flawless debut. We'll see. He said, uh, I think he was asked about his range, how far he could go. He said anything 16 and he feels good about. So we'll see if that gets tested here anytime soon, I guess. It would have been too far back to kick, but there was that fourth and one right around midfield. Uh, but that, that would have been way too far back on Saturday. Uh, but I'd like to see if, if he can test that range. Kent State comes to Norman on Saturday, but in the days leading up to that game, they're here in Tulsa. In fact, after we get up done with this podcast, I'm going to drive over to Union High School and talk to the coach and a couple of players about just how unique week this is. They're coming off a 45-20 loss at Washington. Played them tough. I mean, don't let the score fool you. I mean, this is a team that – 
They're, they're predicted to be one of the MAC favorites in the MAC this season. Uh, it's going to be a lot more challenging than UTEP. And uh, looking forward to seeing just uh, the up, how Oklahoma deals with the up-tempo offense. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting just to see this non-conference game. Yeah, I mean, well, on, on the subject of, of Kent State spending the week at Union, anyone who's been over at Union would probably tell you it looks like a college facility that houses a high school football program. So this week might be fitting. Um, but you're, you're exactly right. I, like I said, I think, you know, last week gave the Sooners a chance to test out the whole 3D. They might get there again. We might be looking, I mean, shoot, the margin could still be something like 30 points. So what about what the spread is right now? But I think that this defense, at least early on, is going to get tested and, and probably get a little bit of a taste of its own medicine. Uh, maybe in a sense, you know, the fact that this defense has been going up against the Sooners offense for however many months now will help because it because they've practiced against this tempo but it's going to be a more challenging offense for them to face and and that's where again I think we're at, at every level you know we talk about the success Reggie Grimes had and, and the line up front Danny Stutzman had a great first career start and David Aguagbu next to him and the secondary was good all of them will be stretched differently this week and I think again especially early season where we know so little about this defense this is going to be a real learning opportunity. Uh, before we go, just some house cleaning. Uh, we got a chance to talk to Davis Bevel, the backup quarterback who got a little bit of action. He's excited about Oklahoma. It mentioned uh, playing against Brent's uh, sons in high school, and and uh, that relationship was always there. And he's excited about the opportunity in front of him being a backup quarterback. You know, he was thrust into uh, playing time in the uh, Peach Bowl last year against Michigan State, so he has a little bit of New Year's Bowl six bowl experience. And I wrote about this earlier. You know, how many? Teams can say that they have a backup quarterback who's played a New Year's Six bowl game. Oklahoma can. Uh, first thing that stood out to me was his 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 height. He guys guys six five six six. He's a he's a tall quarterback. So and then also um, Daniel Parker, uh, the tight end who did not play in the opener, uh, appears he'll be available on Saturday. Uh, interesting wording by Brent saying that he had the sniffles. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard a college football player be out because of having the sniffles. That was the. It just just a word, just a word, but it was just different. I haven't first time I heard a college coach say that. Uh, let me check out. I'm, I'm pulling it up now to see what Daniel Parker tweeted in response. He's very active on Twitter for folks <laughs> looking for an interesting follow on the team. What did he say? He said he said sniffles can't keep me down for long with the the crying laughing emoji. So I think he'll be back, and uh, you know whether it was sniffles or something else, we'll, we'll see his debut. Now, Eric, last week we had something big on Brent Venables. This week you're writing about Dylan Gabriel. Can you give us a taste, a sneak peek? Yeah, this week uh, we, we talked to a lot of his family members. We talked to uh, former coaches and just talked about Dylan Gabriel, what's made him who he is. And I, I think it all goes back to family. And uh, I think, you know, he talked, I talked to him a little bit yesterday and they, they the support system he has, even far away in Hawaii is huge. And, you know, he was even farther away from home when he started his college career at Orlando at UCF. And now he's closer to Oklahoma, but there's still a distance. But he said family is everything. And, you know, his father was a former University of Hawaii quarterback. So they talk football all the time. His older brother, Garrison, is living in Norman with him. So he has family here all the time. And his family are in, is in town. His younger brother and his mom and dad are in town this week. Uh, they came to the opener. They're staying through Kent State. Uh, so they're here in town. So I talked a little bit about family. And it, it's really neat. His mom told me that he's been a leader since he was a young boy. He said that when he was three years old, when it, at, his, at his older brother's practice, he'd get the, the little kids together and start running plays at practice and playing <laughs> football. When he was in middle school, it, it, he, he found a, a fondness for, for tortoises. 
and he built a little sanctuary in their backyard. He got the uh, neighborhood kids together and said, we're going to do this. They wanted to play football. No, Dylan said, we're going to build a sanctuary for these tortoises in our backyard. So they did that. And it just tells you about his leadership qualities as a youngster. It followed him through high school when he was a freshman playing football and even in college when he was a true freshman as a starter. So I'm looking forward to writing that. Looking for just a, an outstanding young man. I've been impressed with him every step of the way since we've uh, yeah, since he's arrived on campus. Yeah, I mean, he told a story at uh, Big 12 Media Days in July about when, and this is like a little thing, but it, it all of this, everything you just laid out in this little anecdote, it makes sense why when he showed up here in January, he was just that guy, that leader from the start. But he talked about uh, how when the family would go to the grocery store, everyone came. However, man, you you could tell me how many siblings he's got or, or how yeah. big the family is, but it's just, it's all those little things that, that really explain why this guy has been who he's been since he's shown up and why he's continuing to be that way into this uh now into the season but i'm excited to read it eric dylan gabriel was named after Corey dylan we we found that out too. really yeah that, Corey dylan that's where he got his name dylan what gabriel. was the poll there i don't we, we can just flesh out all your details you don't even need to write the story but yeah yeah but that's yeah football family yeah everyone's huh. after a football player the kids there's three of them older brother he's the middle child and he has a 15 year old brother roman too so uh really really neat uh family i really enjoy doing it last thing uh eli predictions uh what do you think is going to happen on saturday and what do you think the score is going to be I think they get tested a bit more than they were a week ago. Um, but I, I think on the whole, I think this offense probably is even a tick better than it was, as in OU's offense. I think they'll be better this week. Uh, I thought it was interesting hearing Jeff Levy talk about the flow of the game because for as, as good as that start was, that fast start it also led to probably UTEP's best stretch, which was when they held on to the football. I know you had those back-to-back -back three and outs. But on the whole, I think OU covers its spread. I think the number started at 32. I think they'll cover that. Uh, and Shoot, give me uh, 51-17. I had to do the math there. <laughs> <laughs> man, you were too close to what I was going to say. And oh, man. Everything. Good mind. Um, spending too much time together. <laughs> I was going to go 41-17. I think 17 points is a higher number. that Brent, It's higher than what Brent Venables wants to give up. Uh, but I think week two, there's still some, you know, still some lear learning to do, still some growing pains. I think that the offensive flow, uh, the the tempo is going to really test Oklahoma's defense a little bit. I think Oklahoma's offense is going to be a little tested more too. So I think I think I don't think they'll cover. I think they'll win. I don't think the game's outcome will ever be in doubt. But I'm looking at something like 41-17. I can't assure you this. It's not going to be 100 degrees at kickoff like it was here in the 2.30 game last week. So hopefully that sun will set and it will be a beautiful night in Oren. Uh, thanks again to everyone who keeps up with us on this podcast. And just a reminder, you can uh, download for free on Apple, Google, and Spotify. We'll be here every every week. The goal is to pod every Wednesday. And uh, thank you. And read all our coverage at TulsaWorld.com. <laughs>